uh, personal letter that we have from Paul anywhere in the New Testament that actually is written that doesn't address like a specific church doctrine issue or a specific conflict or heresy in the church, but it's actually just a personal letter, an intentionally personal letter written about a private matter. And it reveals Paul's heart and his intense desire to see relationships set new by the, or set right by the power of the gospel. And I think that it also, by extension then, teaches us how to go about uh, maybe making changes in our culture, maybe confronting uh, institutions, uh, bad institutions such as slavery. Uh, Paul's letter, I believe, to Philemon demonstrates how everything changes, or to be more in line with this title of this series, how everything is made new, when the power of a kingdom perspective is unleashed in our lives and in our relationships. When we seek to understand God's plans and God's will for our lives and our relationships, uh, in our circumstances, in the events in our lives, uh, we see things and we surrender to this, everything changes. I think it's important for us before we go on is to consider how our perspective affects how we live and how we act in this world. The way we see things affects how we live and how we act. So I'm going to throw a picture up here on the screen. And you've seen pictures like this before. Which of those two lines do you believe is longer? I know you're all really smart, so before you guess, take time, because you've seen stuff like this before, you might be fooled. Okay, but which of those lines is longer, the one on the left or the one on the right? Think about it, everybody. And now let's make a change and check. Oh my gosh, they're the same length. Unbelievable. Even when that, when the information, the unhelpful information disappeared for a second, that line on the right still seemed longer to me. I don't know about you, but when we get uh, new information or when unhelpful information is removed, all of a sudden my perspective has changed and I have a new belief about which line is shorter and which one's longer. I've got another one, but, but before Johnny puts this one up, I want to, I want to prepare you. There's going to be a picture. And there's going to be a red dot in the middle of this picture. And I want you to just stare at this red dot the entire time. And then a new picture is going to come up. Okay, so just keep staring at the red dot. Go ahead, Johnny. Keep staring at the red dot. Just stare at that until you see a new picture. Be a little bit longer here. Everybody has that red dot in focus. Pretty soon here, the picture is going to change. And we're going to see a color beach. Everybody see the color beach? But wait, that's a black and white photo. Isn't that crazy? You saw a colored beach at first out of a black and white photo, right? Because you were focused so hard on that dot, it changed your perception. It changed your perspective. Have you ever looked so hard at something or focused so intensely at something up close that you lost the bigger picture? I think our perspective on reality is skewed by where we tend to focus our eyes and where we tend to focus our thoughts and our feelings, right? I want to do one more. Place your fingers real close to your eyes, okay? Right up to your eyes and look past your fingers to the wall behind you. And, oh my gosh, do you see that little, like, hot dog floating in between there? It's, don't bite it. It's not really there, okay? Isn't that amazing what our mind starts to do? It's freaky, it starts to make up things, right? I think that uh, if nothing else, you learned a couple cool tricks here in church this morning. So you can take that away from you, right? But it's amazing to me how our perspective can seem so right, and yet it can be so limited. 
or so narrow or, or too broad, right? It's too fixated on certain pieces of information that we misjudge the true color of the situation or what the real facts are. But when we have a new perspective, a right perspective, everything is made clear. And in this letter, we see Paul challenge a young runaway slave and his master to see things from a new perspective so that the slave might become a free brother in Christ and his master might become a true servant of Christ and together they'll make all things new. For those of you who maybe aren't studying the book of Philemon every day of your life um, and don't know where it is, you can find it in the Bibles in your pews if you want to read along. It's just to the uh, right of Titus and to the left of Hebrews. Um, otherwise, it'll be on the screen. And I got to tell you, when I first opened this book, I thought this was a hilarious letter the first time I read it. Um, Paul's... Uh, just his subtlety and tact, as Paul only can do, is amazing. But um, I don't know if any of you used to watch the old show Welcome Back, Cotter. Um, I only saw it in reruns. I was too young, right, to see it when it was really on. Okay, I saw it when it was really on, right? But Juan Epstein, he used to always bring these notes to class, and, and um, they were to, to excuse him from being late or excuse him from something, and he would hand the note to Mr. Cotter, and Mr. Cotter would read it out loud, and he'd be mouthing the words to the note as Mr. Cotter read it, and then it was always signed at the end, signed Epstein's mother. I couldn't help but read this letter and think that at the end I was going to read signed Onesimus's mother or Onesimus's father. So uh, I thought it was pretty hilarious, but maybe that's just my warped sense of humor. Uh, as Ed mentioned, this is a letter, right, to some people who are leading a house church. And after he's greeted them, he says this in verse 4. He says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ... I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. I love that. Martin Luther calls that holy flattery. I call that comedy, right? It's like he's, Philemon's reading this letter. You're a great job. You're refreshing people's hearts. You're a faithful man. You're compassionate. And then Paul tactfully lays down, you know, I am your boss. I could tell you what to do here, but no, I'm going to appeal to you on love. I think that's pretty cool. Anyway, it says, none other than Paul, he continues, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful, both to you and to me. I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. Important note. The name Onesimus actually means useful. So Paul has this incredible play on words right here. He says, formerly Onesimus was useless, but now he's useful. Onesimus had stolen money from his master, and he was on the run, and he runs to Rome. And of all the people he could run into somehow, by divine intervention, right, he runs into Paul, who's in prison. And Paul, doing what Paul does best, leads him into a relationship with Jesus. And Onesimus has a formerly but now moment with God. Paul says, before this, 
before he knew Christ, Onesimus was just a punk, runaway slave, and a thief. But now, he's part of my family. As a believer in Jesus, he's become my son. He's put his trust, his trust in Jesus, and I've been teaching him what that means and what that looks like. And now, Onesimus is a brand new man with a brand new perspective, and everything has changed. Before, he saw himself as worthless and as useless, right? A slave and a thief with a meaningless life, but now he has eternal life. And he sees that he has a life of meaning, a life of significance, and of worth and purpose. And now he's living up to his name. He's actually serving me here in prison, just like I know you wish you could be doing right now. Paul, with the help of the Holy Spirit and probably an amazing student ministry team, right? Like he probably invited Onesimus to come to basic on a Thursday night and then, and then made him into a leader for our chaos ministry or something and took him on a caravan or mission trips or something. Okay, maybe he didn't do that, but somehow... With the help of the Holy Spirit, right, he disciples, Paul disciples and encourages Onesimus to have a whole new, brand new perspective. To see himself, his life, and his purpose in a new way. His perspective on his own identity had to change. His perspective on slavery and freedom had to change. Formerly, he was Philemon's slave. Now he is Christ's servant. Formerly, he was a dead man walking, running for his life. But now he has new life and freedom in Christ. Onesimus has a formally but now moment with God, and it becomes clear to he and Paul that the only way he can actually test out this new perspective, the only way he can make claim to the freedom of Christ that Jesus wants to give to him, is to actually be obedient and to go back to Philemon. It's the only possible explanation for his return to Philemon. And so Paul says to Philemon, see for yourself what else, right, could explain the fact that he's standing before you right now delivering this letter. He knows of the possible consequences. He knows, right, that you're under an intense amount of pressure, Philemon, to uphold the full weight of the law, right? Otherwise, it could come back on you. It could be a personal problem for you from the other slave owners, Right? So he knows that he's walking into this and you might throw him in prison. Or you might brand him on his forehead with a letter, right, that marked him as a fugitive for the rest of his life. Or you might choose to execute him by crucifixion immediately without a trial. These are all possible fates that awaited Onesimus upon his return. And Paul says he could have kept running, but he's standing right in front of you a new man with a new identity and a new future. The good news out of this is that that God wants to have a formally but now moment with each of us. And not just one time in our life, but I think throughout our lives, he wants to have these formally but now moments with us. I had a formally but now moment with Christ when I was in high school. Formally, I hadn't known Jesus, but then... I knew Jesus. Somebody introduced me to him and helped me start walking with him. This fall, I'm transitioning into a new position at Orchard. Formerly, I was the college guy, but now I don't really know what, okay? 
But God is seeking me in this time of transition as I pray and seek Him, and He's, he's finding me, and he's, he's seeking me as I read the Word, and as I journal, and as I go through a specific devotion that I'm reading, and as I have conversations with others. And He has gently and kindly whispered some really hard things to me about my pride and about my uh, need for approval, my addiction, or my, my, that I'm enslaved to the approval of men, and I have an addiction to achievement. How I tend to make decisions about what I want, and how I want people, other, to, other people to see me, rather than on what God wants, and how he is seen in or through me. And he's starting to show me in his goodness how this can be made different, how this can look a little bit different, Right? how he can be more glorified and how I can have more joy and fulfillment and satisfaction and rest in him. I've heard him whispering, Jeff, you don't have to be haunted by the thought that you're not doing enough. I've got it. And then last Thursday, this was confirmed to me almost verbatim as we sat with staff at our biannual review. Formerly, Jeff, you were a slave to man's approval, but now you are approved by God and entrusted with the gospel. You're free to experience rest and joy in me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come to me. But now comes the really hard part because now I have to be obedient and I have to start testing that, which means I'm going to have to make some decisions that probably disappoint some other people, right, in order to honor God. So I just want to prepare you right now. Get ready to be disappointed by me. Okay, be ready. Maybe you're disappointed right now. I'm terribly sorry if that's the case. You know, but actually, I'm going to actually need some encouragement and some accountability, some help with that. So not only am I going to disappoint you, but I'm going to ask for your help. Help me disappoint you, right? That's what we need. God wants to have a formally but now moment with each of you also. What is it? What might it be? You know, maybe for some of you, formerly you didn't know Jesus, but now he wants you to know him. Maybe formally you were afraid to take a certain risk or to fully trust Jesus. You were afraid of failure, but now you're out of the boat and you're walking with him. Maybe formally you were a slave to a sin, a certain thing was holding you back, but now you have freedom in Christ. Maybe you were uh, fatherless or you were alone, but now you realize you're a child of God and you see that you're part of a bigger family in Jesus. Maybe you were angry formerly or bitter or disappointed, maybe by your own life or maybe by decisions of your kids or your grandkids, but now those relationships are being restored. But now you have hope. Formerly you were enslaved to debt. Uh, you were on the road to financial ruin, but now you're on the road to financial freedom. Formerly, your marriage was falling apart or you were running away from problems at home, but now Christ is giving you the strength to face those problems, to rebuild that marriage. Formerly, you didn't understand your blessings, but now you have a new perspective, right, on how God wants to use you to be a blessing with others. Formerly, maybe you were holding back from God, from your time or your talent or your money, but now you understand that Christ is your treasure, this is really good news for us, that God wants to have this formally but now moment with us, that he wants to renew us and make us new. He wants to unleash that power of the kingdom perspective in our lives and in our relationships. And you see this theme over and over again throughout the New Testament, right? Formerly you used to be this, but now you're this. You used to think this way, 
but now you see things the way they really are. Listen to a couple of these from the New Testament. Let, let God's work begin to work on your perspective right now. Ephesians 2, 12 through 13. Paul writes, At that time, you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship. You were foreigners. You were without hope, without God. You were far away from God. But now, in Christ Jesus, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Ephesians 5, you once were darkness, but now you are light. Live as children of light. Once you were alienated from God, Colossians 1, and you were enemies. Now he has reconciled you and presents you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Once you were not a people, First Peter, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You are a royal priesthood, God's special possession. Onesimus trusted these promises. And it didn't matter whether or not Philemon would show him mercy because he knew mercy was already his in Christ. It didn't matter so much whether Philemon would execute him or free him because he knew that he had life and freedom in Christ. And that new perspective empowered Onesimus to stop and to turn around and to go meet his problem head on and his responsibilities knowing that God would be with him every step of the way. And that's all that mattered. So how about you? Where does God want to unleash that kingdom perspective in your life? What relationships does he want to unleash that kingdom perspective? He's inviting us always into a new or into a deeper relationship with himself through his word, through worship, through times of prayer, through conversations with others, through trials and through blessings, right? Because he wants to help us get our focus on the stuff that matters, on the helpful information, on the things that are really important, right? So that we can get grounded in reality. So are you grounding yourself in this reality and are you learning, right, to see yourself and to see the world as God does more and more? Are you facing your, your circumstances and your trials as you walk through knowing that God is with you? Because I think God really needs us to do this. Because as we read the rest of this letter to Philemon, God doesn't just want a formally but now moment with each of us. He wants a formally but now so that moment with each of us. God wants to bless you. He wants to equip us, right? Not just for the blessing, but that so we can have a so that moment as well. So that you can become an agent of change. So that you can partner with him and with others in the ministry of reconciliation Paul says in his second letter to the Corinthians, he says, In Christ we are made new, we are reconciled to God. We are a formally but now kind of people so that we can carry out the ministry of reconciliation. As I said earlier, Paul's letter here, his real heart for this letter is to see that relationships are set right by the power of the gospel. And he knows that to do this, Philemon is also going to need this new perspective. So he, so he goes on and he sends Onesimus back and then he writes, he continues his letter and he says this. He says, perhaps the reason Onesimus was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. Just think about it. Perhaps there's another reason that Onesimus was separated from you. Maybe it wasn't 
intended just to hurt you. He says, Onesimus is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing. Prepare a guest room for me. Because I hope to be returned to you in answer to your prayers. I'm coming back to check up on you, right? Get me a room ready because I want to come make sure you followed up. Paul's encouraging Philemon, change your perspective. Don't see Onesimus just as a slave. Don't focus on the fact that Onesimus stole something from you. That's true. That's right. He did these things. And you know what? I'll pay you back. Oh, Oh, wait a second. You owe me your life, so why don't we just call that one even, right? That's what he's just saying. He's just laying it on thick, right? But he says, don't let his past offenses against you or the damage he's inflicted cause you to miss out on the blessings of God. Choose instead to unleash those blessings through a kingdom perspective. See Onesimus as I see him. See him as a new man in Christ. See him as a very dear brother in Christ, even more dear to you than to me. And remember this, I did the same thing for you. Remember your own formerly but now moment with Christ. Remember who you are. You are now an obedient partner in the ministry of reconciliation. You're a new creation. You're, made, you're being made new in the creator. And as Paul says in Colossians, he says, there, as you're being made new in a new creator, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There isn't circumcised or unsecumcised. There is neither free nor slave, but all are equal. Remember your own formerly but now moment so that you may be filled with the power and the grace and the love of Christ to be able to welcome this slave back as you would welcome Jesus himself so that our partnership in this ministry right, may deepen our experience of every good thing we share in Christ. Obviously, it's a lot easier said than done. There's this immense and intense pressure on Philemon, right? I mean, any time that you would do something that would threaten a government or uh, an established power, it's a dangerous thing. And Paul can't flat out order Philemon to free his slave, but he makes an appeal to respond to his slave in the same way that Christ did with us, right? To have the mindset of Christ, as Paul says in Philippians, to make himself nothing, Become a servant, become obedient, even to death, if he has to become to that. That's what God asks, really, for each of us in our relationships, is to die for him. To have a formally but now, so that moment. On August 14th, I I received the first of a a few emails that I've received from a friend of mine and a partner in ministry. And... um, he, was having, he found out that his wife was having an affair, had been having an affair for eight months. And they were separated. And yet somehow, in the midst of this, God, uh, in this, of this, this pain and this suffering, this trial, God 
gave my friend this formally but now kind of moment. I share some of what he wrote from these emails anonymously with his permission. He says this, he says, Jeff, at this time, I'm not able to continue doing ministry. My life has taken an uncertain turn. My wife and I are separated and I have no idea what the future holds for us. I'm taking the year off ministry and we'll see uh, where I am next year. I'll be playing the single father role and I'm not sure what my schedule will be. We are doing okay. I'm trying to focus on making myself better as well as learning everything about keeping the house going by myself. The kids are worn out from sleeping in two locations. They tell me how they miss us all together. I've tried to do fun activities with them and keep them busy. I took them to a drive-in last weekend. They didn't know a place like that existed. Mission accomplished. I went fishing all afternoon with them yesterday, and my son thanked me about a 100 times. We have both come extremely close to ending our marriage uh, at least a few times in the last few months. We've both visited with attorneys and have gone extended periods of time without speaking. But there have been a few really good things that have come from this last horrible month. I've seen my faith grow an incredible amount, including giving my heart fully to God. I've always been a Christian, but I don't believe I ever went all in. I have now, and I felt his presence. It was one of the most beautiful things I have ever experienced. He filled me with patience and forgiveness and calm. I've never felt this before. I am truly a changed man. My life will never be the same after this month. Some things might be worse, but with my faith, many of these things will be much better. Miss of a horrible situation, the midst of betrayal and pain and brokenness and suffering, only God can break through and give my friend a formally but now kind of moment. Formerly, he was lost. He was in pain and hurting, but now he's found in Christ and he's got a peace. Formerly, he was uh, bitter and full of anger, but now he has forgiveness. Formerly, he was filled with angst. Now there's a calm and a peace that he's never experienced. Formerly, he was impatient, but now he's practicing patience. But it didn't end there because God wanted him to have this formally, I believe, a formally but now so that moment because God wanted and needed my friend to be a new man so that he could demonstrate to his children what it looks like to have perspective, right, and to persevere in times of suffering. So that God could paint a picture for his kids and him of how God always holds on to, always loves, always protects a family when it seems like love has walked out the door. So that others can see what it looks like to cling to a faith in Jesus when it feels like everybody else has abandoned you. God is using a formally but now moment with my friends so that he can demonstrate to his family, to his wife's family, to his wife, what foolish humility and forgiveness and being a new creation in Christ actually looks like. It's a long, messy, hard road ahead. But formally, that road was hopeless. Now there's hope. Perhaps it might even be just so that our whole community can see this can experience God's blessing through this somehow. I think if you could just be honest just for a moment here this morning to consider the amount of woundedness and collective hurt and pain and suffering in this room right now this morning, 
right? The bitterness that collectively exists because people have wronged us or sinned against us or disappointed us or hurt us. Maybe a husband who's ignored you or you can't figure out how to live up to his expectations even if you knew what they were and you're just, you're just done trying in that situation. Or maybe a son or a granddaughter or somebody has rejected the faith that you've wanted to teach them, the kind of life that you've wanted to bring to them and you're just really disappointed. Or someone has died and you're still angry with God because you've been abandoned. Maybe you've been betrayed by a friend, right? How much of this pain and this bitterness and and this woundedness continues to exist because we've never forgiven the person who's wronged us? I know in my family there's plenty of that to go around, plenty of that. And before we go to Thanksgiving, I'm going to have to have a formally but now moment with God so that I don't go in there and cause more damage this holiday season. I just uh, would encourage you to take some time to consider how God might be asking you, uh, especially as we head to the holidays, how to experience another formally but now moment with him or maybe how to recall and remember your formally but now moment so that right, he can unleash the blessings and the power of that kingdom perspective in your lives, in your relationships, and on this community. Let's pray. Father, first of all, I've got a room full of people. I just want to pray for my friend who's just really struggling in this, uh, in his marriage and with his family and for his wife who is trying to come back, his wife who has confessed and who is seeking forgiveness but is still battling feelings for another person and is still battling not being able to see herself and her uh, uh, as a new person, as a new creation, maybe not being able to understand your forgiveness for her. Lord, help her to see that help her to see how you love her how you want to make her new how you want to put a ring on her finger and a robe on her back and love her right back into your family kill off those feelings she has for the other person and restore their relationship and for each of us in this room lord lord you know what our situations are you know where you want to have that moment you know where you want to lead us and guide us i pray that we would take some time to, to think about that to listen to you to seek you out to hear that and then become people of courage like Onesimus was to go back and face that problem knowing that you will be with us every step of the way. It's in your name we pray. Amen.